Whether you're traveling for work or fun, everybody loves a deal. Check out Rooms for Vacation for up to 50% off your hotel, resort, Airbnb, car rental, and more. That's rooms, the number four, vacation.hotelplanner.com. Information discussed in this podcast may be sensitive in nature to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Susie Lyle was born April 6, 1978 in Saratoga Springs, New York. Growing up, Susie was a bright girl, always a straight-A student. She enjoyed writing, and most of all, she loved working with computers, even building them from scratch. In 1998, Susie was in her sophomore year of college at the University of New York in Albany. She was majoring in computers and continued to be a dedicated student. Susie also worked two part-time jobs while maintaining her studies. On Monday, March 2nd, 19-year-old Susie woke up and had a morning exam, an exam that she had been worried about, according to some of her coworkers. She had classes all day until 4 p.m., and then she headed to an evening shift at Babbage's Software Store in the mall. She worked until closing, and then after locking up the store with the coworker, Susie headed over to the bus stop to go back to her dorm room. Susie got on the city bus and would get off the bus at the Collins Circle Stop near her dorm. But after that, no one knows. Susie never made it to her dorm. Susie has never been seen or heard from since. Where is Suzanne Gloria Lyle? Suzanne just moved away. I, I would never say never, but uh, in reality, it, she's probably been a uh, victim of a homicide. We need somebody to come forward and give us, you know, who's involved in the case or has knowledge of the case to give us information. I want to find out what happened to my daughter. Since I've been here in 2002, um, Suzanne's missing person poster is hung on our, our bulletin board, um, and it'll stay there until she's she's found. Hello, and welcome back to the Where Are They podcast. This case, the story of Susie Lyle, is really, really baffling. 
There are theories. Everyone has their own thoughts here. But it's kind of one of those cases that doesn't really have an obvious answer. A young college student disappears after leaving work at the mall and is never seen again. I know malls are really kind of a thing of the past now. And after doing missing person cases here, I have to say I'm surprised how many people have gone missing from malls and mall parking lots. The story of Suzanne, Susie, Lyle, comes recommended to me from a couple of listeners, actually. Thank you so much for this case suggestion. And if anyone else has any cases to recommend, you can always hit me up on social media. You can find our podcast on Instagram and Facebook or send me an email at canwefindthem at gmail.com. Susie's case has been told here and there, and the TV show Disappeared did feature her during one of their early episodes. But there still have been no answers, and Susie remains a missing person to this day. Suzanne Lyle was born on April 6, 1978, in Saratoga Springs, New York. Saratoga Springs is located in upstate New York, and it's well known for the horse races held at the Saratoga Springs racetrack. Susie would grow up in the nearby town of Boston Spa, New York, just outside of Saratoga Springs. Susie was the baby of the family and had two older siblings. Susie was always a smart girl and always got good grades. She also enjoyed writing, especially poetry, and many considered her a really quiet child. As she grew up, she also developed an interest in computers and was known to be very good with computers, even building them up from scratch. In high school, Susie was a bit of a recluse. She made friends on the internet and frequented chat rooms. And at one point, she told her friends that one of the chat groups she was in had invited her to a computer club that would meet in person once a month. Susie wanted to go to this meeting, but her mom was worried. The internet was still fairly new to most people in 1996. Susie's dad would go with her to that first meeting. The group leader was a young man by the name of Richard Condren. Not soon after that first meeting, Richard and Susie began dating. Susie graduated from Boston High School with honors in 1996. She went off to college for her freshman year, but would transfer to the State University of New York, Albany, also known as SUNY Albany, for her sophomore year. Susie had said it was because she wanted a university with a better computer science program, and SUNY Albany had that. And while that was true, her family also wondered if it was also to be closer to her boyfriend, Richard. Her sophomore year at SUNY began well. Susie was able to get two part-time jobs, one at Babbage's Computer Software Store in a nearby mall, and another fixing computers. She lived on campus, and she continued to work hard and get good grades. The Disappearance On March 1st, 1998, Susie was at work at Babbage's. She was speaking to her boss that day, and she was letting him know that she was a little bit worried about working so much because she had a really tough exam coming up the next morning, an exam she was not looking forward to. He talked to her about it briefly. She did want to stay at work, but she was just feeling stressed. He gave her a little pep talk, told her that she'd be fine, take a deep breath, and go ace that exam. The morning of March 2nd, Susie took that midterm exam. She had classes all day up until 4 p.m., and then when she was done, she took the bus to Crossgates Mall, where Babbage's was located, to begin her evening shift. 
Her boss had asked her how the test went, and she kind of shrugged it off and said, okay. Her boss also said none of this behavior was unusual for Susie. Susie always worried about her grades and doing well. Her job that evening was to tag items with SKU numbers, which Susie did. The boss didn't stay to close that night, but another employee would be with Susie. At closing time, they left the store and a security guard watched them leave through the back entrance of the mall, the employee entrance. It's always a bit dark out there and there was never anyone or anything back there except employees in their cars. And that day was no different, according to that security guard. Susie walked to the city bus stop and got on the bus. She would get off the bus two miles down the road at Collins Circle, right near campus, where she would normally walk back to her dorm from there. But Susie never made it to her dorm that night. Susie had disappeared. The Search and Investigation On the morning of March 3rd, 1998, Susie's parents received an odd phone call early in the morning. It was Richard, Susie's boyfriend, and he said that Susie had not gone back to her dorm the night before. Apparently, Richard and Susie had a normal evening routine. When Susie got back to her dorm after work, she would always call Richard or email him and they'd chat online. She had done neither of those things and he couldn't reach her. Susie's parents, knowing this was not like their Susie at all, called campus security who went to go do a welfare check on Susie at her dorm room. But Susie wasn't there. Her parents were now extremely worried because this behavior was so unusual for Susie. But the campus police weren't worried. They just told the Lyles that kids on campus do this all the time. They tried to convince the Lyles that Susie will just show up soon. But as the day went on, there was still no sign of Susie. Susie had a scheduled shift that evening at Babbage's, and she didn't show up for work. When her boss was made aware that Susie was missing, he said that at first he wasn't too concerned. He knew it was unusual for her, but he really thought she maybe had just gone off with a friend. Maybe a car broke down. It had been less than 24 hours, and he was reluctant to think the worst. The next day, campus police agreed to look for Susie again. She still wasn't in her dorm room and no one there had seen her. So an officer went to her next class to see if she'd show up. When she didn't show up to class, they decided to officially report Susie Lyle as a missing person. Shortly after, they enlisted the help of the New York State Police. Law enforcement began questioning everyone in Susie's life. They did learn that Susie was a quiet girl, a great student, a hard worker, was not the partying type. She didn't drink or do drugs, and she kept her circle of friends pretty small. They spoke to Richard, and he said that he had been with a friend all evening playing video games. This friend corroborated that story. Officers also went and spoke to the bus driver from that night. He said that he remembered Susie getting on the bus at the mall but then he couldn't remember exactly which stop she got off at, and he didn't notice anything unusual. A fellow student at SUNY Albany came forward to say that she saw Susie getting off the city bus that night at Collins Circle, and this seemed logical to everyone as that stop would have taken her close to her dorm. Meanwhile, her parents did some digging of their own. They called Susie's bank and asked about her ATM usage. The bank would call them back later with that information. 
First, there were two separate $20 withdrawals the day Susie went missing. And her mom found this to be really odd behavior for her. Her mom knew that Susie was feeling broke and anxiously awaiting her next paycheck. They'd actually had a phone conversation about it. Her mom had offered to loan her some money, but Susie said no, she'd be getting a paycheck soon and she'd be just fine. There was $120 total in her account. What would cause her to take out $20 in two separate withdrawals? It seemed odd, and it seemed odd for Susie, according to her mom. Susie was last seen on the evening of March 2nd, with no one hearing from her or seeing her after that. But her parents learned that on the afternoon of March 3rd, her ATM card was used at a convenience store in Albany. So investigators immediately head over to the store to see what they can learn. For some reason, the ATM in that store didn't have a camera, but the store did have security cameras. Although, again, unfortunately, those cameras weren't pointed toward the ATM, which is weird. Isn't that weird? ATMs didn't all have cameras in them, even back in the late 90s? The only thing investigators did notice is that there was a man in the store at the same time that ATM card was used. So they're able to pinpoint a time in which the ATM was accessed, and they match up that time with the security cameras that they do have at the store. The only person they see is a man wearing a Nike ball cap, and they could barely see his face. They didn't even know for sure if he went to the ATM, but he was the only one that they saw at that time in the store. So the hunt was on for the Nike man. Now, why would Susie take two separate $20 withdrawals out on March 2nd, and then coincidentally another $20 withdrawal is attempted, or actually done, the day after she goes missing? Was this possibly Susie, or was Susie with someone, or had someone stolen her card? Richard had told them in their initial interview that only he and Susie had the PIN number to her ATM card, as far as he knew. After another discussion, however, with Susie's parents, they decide to question Richard again. But this time, Richard has lawyered up and refused to speak. Investigators had also learned from friends and family of Susie's that Richard had always seemed a bit controlling of Susie. On a few occasions, Susie had actually tried to break up with him, but he would get very emotional and persist that she give him another try, and Susie would always give in. It was also learned that Richard had remote access to her computer. But then Richard had also said that Susie had access to his computer as well. Some took this as Richard being a little possessive and controlling. And it definitely does seem that way. But again, both Richard and Susie were self-proclaimed computer nerds. Maybe this was something that was fun for them to do, something that not everyone knew how to do at that time. Law enforcement did check Richard's alibi and had initially ruled him out as a person of interest. However, since he lawyered up and refused to answer any more questions from them later, they did come out and say that they will not rule him out as being involved in Susie's disappearance. About two months after Susie had vanished, her weathered and worn name badge was found near the bus stop at Collins Circle. Investigators thought maybe they had a break. The area had been snow covered for a while, and as the snow melted and the badge was discovered, they searched to see if they would find any other evidence. Unfortunately, the name badge was so worn and beat up and had been out in the elements for so long, it provided no additional clues, nor did they find any other clues in the area. 
There are a lot of thoughts on this name badge. Some say it wasn't even the one she was wearing on the night she went missing. Some think that it being found discarded there means that there was a struggle. Others say that it doesn't mean anything. People lose their name badges all the time. In 2005, a man by the name of John Reagan was arrested for trying to abduct a high school girl at Boston Springs High, the same high school that Susie had attended, and not too far from SUNY, New York. After arresting him and speaking with him, he was deemed a person of interest in Susie's case, but nothing was ever found to officially link the two. Israel Keys. Israel Keys was an American serial killer, bank robber, burglar, arsonist, kidnapper, rapist, you name it, who murdered a minimum of three victims across the U.S. from June of 2011 to February of 2012. Keys would commit suicide by hanging and slashing his wrists while he was in jail waiting trial. Evidence that he had left behind in his jail cell, which included a suicide note and some drawings of 11 skulls, led the FBI to suspect that Keyes might have murdered 11 victims in total. He had admitted to committing violent crimes as early as 1996. So what would Israel Keyes have to do with Susie Lyle? Israel Keyes lived in Constable, New York in 1998 in a small isolated house that he had bought. Now, Constable, New York is about a three-hour drive from Albany, not exceptionally close, but there would be a credible sighting of Israel Keys that was documented from Crossgates Mall in 1998, the same mall that Susie worked at the same year she was last seen. A woman at the mall remembers being approached by a man that she later identified as Israel Keys. He asked her how old she was, and he had just given her a very bad, eerie feeling. She basically told him to buzz off, and he did. Does this mean that Israel Keys was at Crossgates Mall in the same time frame in which Susie would go missing? Very possibly. Albany, New York Albany, New York is considered part of the upstate region. It is also the capital city of the state of New York and has a population of just over 100,000 residents. SUNY Albany is located on the northwest side of the city. In 1998, the enrollment at SUNY Albany was just around 8,000 students. The Crossgates Mall is still there and it looks to still be an open mall. I'm curious if anyone is local to that area to know what kind of mall it is now. So many malls are closing and dying. Is Crossgates Mall still a thriving mall? The route that the bus would have taken from the mall to Collins Circle is just about two miles, not far. And Collins Circle to the dorms is also a very short walk. Did something happen to Susie when she got off the bus at Collins Circle? The fellow student that saw Susie get off the bus there said it was around 9.45 p.m. And that would make sense since she had clocked out from work at 9.20. Being such a busy area and a college area, and it's just 9.45 p.m., it's really unusual that no one saw or heard anything. If something had happened. 
Regardless if Susie left on her own accord or if someone took her, she had to leave that area. It's too busy of a place for her to hide or to be hidden and not found. Does this mean she might have willingly got into someone's car? Someone she knew, perhaps? That would explain why there was no scene caused to draw attention to? Her mom had wondered if Susie had been seeing someone else at college, someone that Richard didn't know about. If this is the case, who was it? No one ever came forward to claim being that person or even knowing if she was, and authorities were never able to identify anyone that she might have been romantically linked to. Or had Susie met someone in one of those online chat rooms that she liked to frequent? The Hudson River does run through the city of Albany, and you are bordering on the Catskill Mountains in that area also. The Catskills specifically run in between Albany and New York City. There's plenty of rural and remote areas within an hour's drive of Albany. What could have happened to Susie on that cold day in March 1998? Did she decide to finally get away from her controlling boyfriend and leave town with someone else? Had she met someone on the internet? Was this a crime of opportunity? Someone seeing Susie get off the bus and abducting her? Could it have been Israel Keys? Or another person who was a stranger to Susie? Or did someone kidnap her that Susie knew, possibly Richard or someone else that she knew at college or at work? Who was making those ATM withdrawals? Was it Susie? Did someone have her PIN number, a PIN number that was entered correctly on the first try? With very, very little clues to go on, I don't think any one theory can be ruled out completely. Susie's parents continued to fight for answers and find their daughter. They never gave up hope. Sadly, Susie's father would pass away in 2015, never knowing what happened to his youngest daughter. Suzanne's Law After Susie disappeared, her parents became very active in pursuing legislation for missing person cases. They founded the Center of Hope in Ballston Spa, a nonprofit organization that was dedicated to providing support for families of missing loved ones. The Center for Hope is still going today. They also worked hard to have Suzanne's Law passed. Suzanne's Law would raise the age of a missing young person from age 17 up to age 21. This would help in the searches for those aged 18 to 21 and help authorities take these cases more seriously in the beginning and even open up additional resources. Suzanne's Law was signed into law on April 30th, 2003, the same day that the National Amber Alert was signed as well. So here we are, 24 years later, with still no answers as to what happened to Suzanne Lyle. And Suzanne Lyle is still missing. What do you think happened to Susie Lyle? Susie Lyle is described as a Caucasian woman standing about five foot three inches tall and weighing around 170 pounds when she was last seen in March of 1998. She was 19 years old and would today be 44. 
Susie has light brown hair and blue eyes and was last seen wearing an ankle-length black trench coat, a black shirt, and jeans. Susie is nearsighted and sometimes wears glasses, although she mostly wore contact lenses. Anyone with any information on Susie Lyle is asked to contact the New York State Police at 519-783-3211. Thank you so much for listening to Susie's story. Her case has been active for many, many years, but we still have no answers as to Susie's whereabouts. Sadly, her father was not able to live to see her case resolved, but her mother and her siblings still hope that one day they will have answers. If you made it this far into the story and would like to help our podcast reach more people, please consider giving us a five-star review on your podcast platform. It will help our missing cases reach a wider audience. Also, please consider joining us over on Patreon, where we put up bonus episodes and our regular weekly episodes are now up over there also ad-free. You can find us at patreon.com slash wherearetheypodcast. We also post regularly on Instagram, other missing person cases and news and updates. We have a Facebook page as well. We try to do the same over there. Please search for the Where Are They podcast and give us a follow. I can always be reached at canwefindthem at gmail.com and I welcome your feedback and case suggestions anytime. Thank you again so, so much for supporting our show and our mission. We will be back again soon with another Unsolved Missing Persons episode. And until then, stay safe and Hug your loved ones.